Previously on many realms, the party engages in a fierce combat with the heart of the forest itself. In all of the business, an attempt on Tulip's life is made and after the battle is won, the forest itself erupts in a wave of petrification, catching Baz and Ben in its forever stone. The land of Maloon, laying bare before them once again. Hi, I'm Jesse. I play Sylvie the Rogue, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jory. I play Zeke the Fighter, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I play Jolie the Cleric, and it's good to be here. And it's me, Jordan, your DM that stands for Death Master, apparently, based off the last episode. Let's roll right into it. Welcome to Mini Realms. Carlathan stands at the edge of the now-petrified forest, reaching out and grasping the now-stone hand of her father, Ben. Uh, She's wailing, inconsolable, and cannot be pulled away despite Roddy's best efforts. Uh, She is inconsolable and is screaming at the top of her lungs. I mean, there's no way this isn't one for for Mr. Dad. No, no, for sure. I'm just thinking about how how to approach. In a dadly fashion. I mean, there's not too much you can say in this moment besides, like, go over, maybe put an arm on her shoulder, um, and sit with her for a bit. If you go up and put your hand on her shoulder, she'll still have her hands clasped around, like, the stone fingers of her father and will not be rendered from that position, that presence. Why are you doing this to me? Is that Carlathan? No, I'm just very upset. Like, why? Oh, it's so sad. You had you sad. had to know this was coming. No, I know. Just the imagery is strong. My eyes are itchy. She's primed to cry. I yeah. Am. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say, because uh, Roddy tried to get her to move. Hey, Roddy, though, wasn't, uh, doesn't have as much time. Roddy was like, I'll kill you with my hammer if we don't move. <laughs> kill you like your stupid fucking dad. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, that, that takes out the air from the moment. Sorry, go ahead, <laughs> Zeke. Um, I'll say to Roddy, we're no longer in danger. Take everyone and set up camp. Leave leave us here. We'll, we'll catch up. Making this child move is not the right that's not that's not comforting. The comforting is to sit with her until she's ready to get up and move. Roddy will relent. I mean, Roddy also has obviously after that whole escapade, plenty of things to attend to, and definitely trusts you in this in this capacity. Zeke would just sit with Carla then until she is ready to speak, or until she moves, or a change in her demeanor happens. You sit there with Carla then for a moment. And another, and another, and 
after a time, the tears for her do stop flowing and you think in the light of her eye that you can tell that she's beginning to accept um, this fate and the fate for her ahead. Though she doesn't um, move from the position that she's in. What you do hear is, There she is! There she is! Now, get her! Uh, Sylvie, you find yourself surrounded uh, by Tulip and the... Uh, I, I, I believe that he did lose one. So, door plus three. All weapons drawn, pointed at you. He is outright demanding your death. Okay, Tulip, you gotta die now. Sorry. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not. Eli's saying that. Sylvie does this. <laughs> it's well, my eye Jesse's... <laughs> Tapping his index fingers extended against each other with his thumbs raised in the like please gesture. She can't take on these like four armed men. She looks to the caravan for help. She's not the only one. Who among us hasn't fantasized about stabbing Tulip? You know, like surely someone will come to Sylvie's aid. Particularly, I think it's worth I want Roddy's opinion on this. Jolie, want to be a pal? <laughs> Don't call it to the caravan. She'll say, I know. Several among you would have done the same thing had you been in my place. You have endangered this caravan far too many times. You are a liability here, Tulip. <laughs> oh, no, that's rich. Without me, we wouldn't have even made it this far. What, one little trip up and all of a sudden all of you are on my back? Who do you think put your food in your mouths all that time and still that? You wouldn't have even made it here without me. And now you deign to claim that I'm the one? No. No. We're not a caravan to you. Don't pretend that it's like that. Just, we all know you see us as little lackeys who are peons below you. And that's not going to fly here. And I don't think you can see that that dynamic doesn't work in this society anymore, Tulip. Oh, it doesn't. He whistles, uh, and everyone comes closer towards Sylvie. Sylvie will say, stressed at the advancing guard and her voice breaking, And who is to pay for the death of Paz? He cooked for all of you. He watched your children. If Tulip's foolishness hadn't slowed down these wagons, he would still be alive. He was a fool in life, and he was a fool in death. And you as well are going to be made a fool. And at that moment, Roddy will also come to your aid. Does Roddy do anything? Hammer. I look at Dor. How much is he paying you? Enough. Enough. But everything he owns? Or a lot? I think he's going to not take this as the place to field this question. You might even catch a glance, maybe, that he would be, like, somewhat interested, but I don't think that it's, like, this open field. Jolie says to all of them, not just Dora, to all four of these people, let's be real here. In the order of who has the most power in this caravan, we're not going to lie, it's you four. You're the strongest. And after that, it's us. And at the bottom, it's Tulip. If you fight us... A lot of us are going to die. Not just us. Yeah, that would suck. We don't want that. But you guys too? A couple of you at least. If you side with us, we're not going to take anything from Tulip's caravan. You're going to kill him and you're going to take all his stuff. 
And then we're all going to move on. <laughs> you think they're listening to that? You don't even know where we're going. What are you... <laughs> I was a proud man in Soleil, and I'll be a proud man wherever we're going. And they know that. What can you offer them that I can't? They could take your stuff. My point isn't that they could beat us. My point is it's a lot easier for them to beat you than to beat us. Uh, he produces that pistol, and he say, oh, I beg to differ. I want to see what the four of them are sussing out. Roll of persuasion. I'm nervous. I'm scared. Yeah, you're really putting yourself in the line of fire for Jesse here, which is which is great. Honestly, I wasn't gonna, but when he's like, Sylvie's gonna die, well, who, someone's gonna die. I'm gonna choose the one I want to die. Also, I'm right. Oh shit, it's persuasion. My charisma's horrid. It's a nine. I think that your plea is not one that's really gonna be heard. And I don't know if they're fully convinced that you are more useful at this point. But his stuff, he's not useful. His stuff is useful. He is an experienced businessman and somewhat experienced traveler as well, which like so far for you guys, you're starting to, you know, on the cusp, I think show. Yeah. Like how Tulip's guys fought the bully wugs and how Tulip's guys <laughs> fought Karmog yeah. and how Tulip's guys fought the heart of the forest. Like all of those times they were really useful for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, so basically it's like, these are also kind of like unsavory fellas. So, I mean, right now the money's talking. We have kept everyone alive multiple times. Well, again, like, hey, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm just saying that they're like, they're just like, when we get there, oh, he's promised us more. And they're hanging on to that right now. So if I kill him anyway, they're going to stop. What do you mean? Well, if I kill him, they're not going to be like, I'm still loyal to this dead man. Well, of course not. I don't have reason to believe that if we didn't just walk away and get our own caravan, that we, the three of us, would be any worse off. Because we do all the work. Yeah. So, like, let's go. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's like, I can understand it's like, oh, he's paying us out. But they literally do nothing. Well, Jolie is pretty, like, in character, Jolie is like, I'm doing this because I can help them. Not them. Yeah. But like surely. Well, and I, that's who I want to hear from. Like the people that we've actually been working with yeah, fair. in this caravan for the past three days. Mm. Like, are they just like, chilling? No, like I said, Roddy was here to interject, which I think after uh, not being fully persuaded by that, Roddy will have the opportunity to do. What is going on here? I demand recompense from her. She tried to kill me in that godforsaken place. Is that true? His greed killed my companion. There'll be no recompense for that. Tulip, the attack on you will be answered, but what you ask is too much. She kind of steals her eyes, um, and from what you can see, it's like a dance that they may have done a couple of times before back in Soleil, because they were kind of both power players a bit. Was he trying to kill people in Soleil? He was, let's say, was able to keep things, I think, a bit more behind closed doors. Uh-huh. And you see Tulip relent for a moment, and he kind of mutters something just to Roddy. And the men take a step back, and they kind of like put their their swords at their sides. And Roddy comes up to you and says, he demands a finger. What? A finger. I saved you from death outright, but he's right as much as I don't want him to be. Yet he bears all ten of his. And how is this exchange fair? Is it not true that you tried to kill him? 
who out here gets to make demands of justice and what should be paid? Sylvie. Paz is dead. Sylvie, I know and I understand, but this, this isn't the place, not yet. All of us are counting on you to keep sense here. This is the only way that I know. And I, I will be indebted to you, but this is the only thing I know that I can do right now. I'm trying to save your life. Jolie gives you a look. It's like, I got some bad news for you kind of look, but also, <laughs> but also if you, if you do this, like I'm not gonna leave you high and dry. I'll tell you what, if you chop off your finger, you can get one meat. <laughs> I don't like you DMing. I think Sylvie will fall to her knees, breaking down, sobbing in acceptance of this cruel fate of the road. Uh, how do you want to do it? You just have to give him a finger. If you don't do anything, Dora's going to come and lop off your finger. Does it have to be your finger? Give him a chicken finger. To satisfy Tulip? Probably. Yeah, how's he going to know? Just wrap yeah. your hand up. I want Roddy to have to do it. I think I'd ask Chorley, like, do you have anything numbing? Uh, I think Charlie would, like, already be ready. She's like, oh, yeah, finger? Let me just... <laughs> the de-fingering paste, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll too. <laughs> I mean, this is a scene, right? Everyone's been yeah. seeing this transpire. So. Everyone's real fucking quiet, though, for they a are. scene, eh? Whoa, they are. real tight-lipped. They are. I mean, Keel is still probably underneath one of the... I don't blame him. Means. He doesn't know what the fuck's he going on. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But another person who could probably help kill Tulip... The odds are not in his favor. Let's do some math here. Anyway, sure. Yes. Take my fucking finger. Yes. Um, Paz died 20 minutes ago. She is like so out of her mind. She'll just stand up and her head is bowed. She can't even make eye contact. She just thrusts her right hand out to Roddy. Is she left-handed? Yes. Roddy holds your eyes and does not avert. She crouches down and pulls... Uh, knife from her belt. She holds it to your finger and says, I will make it worthwhile. Come speak to me tonight. And with that, before you can even answer, her eyes still matching yours, she, in one clean motion, lops off your right pinky. She wraps it in a small cloth and gives it to Tulip. What's this little fucking cunt say? Pleasure doing business with you. A smarmy little sack of shit on the ground. I'll tell you what, we have some nice dried cured meats in the back of the wagon. We'll prepare a nice dinner tonight. I actually stole one of the meats last time, I think. <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> we're missing one of our meats. But I appreciate you adding insult to injury. I think Sylvie's just on the ground, on her knees alone. To, to lighten it, what do her knuckle tats say now? <laughs> it's like hug life. <laughs> oh, I like Aww, hug life. Hug life. If she lost two fingers, it could have been like, fuck. The lice. Uh, it's not how knuckles work, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, like, fuck, and then the the is on one. That's oh. crazy. And That's then not... police. Uh, do I suffer any mechanical penalty for this, DM? Um, Digit I'm master? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, Digit I'm a, mutilator? What's your modifiers on strength and dex? Uh, I have a minus one to strength and a plus two to dex. Let's just do minus two on those rolls. But yeah, uh, well, again, if you're like, I kick down the door, I'm not going to be like, you don't have your right pinky too bad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But uh, anything else uh, that's like more dexterous using your hands. Will, She'll get more kicky as a character. Zeke. Yeah. Carlathan still just holding the hand of her father, slowly unfurls her fingers and holds her hand at her side. I say to her, are you thirsty? No. 
Come with me to camp. Let's get you by a fire, at least. I'm so sorry about your father. There is nothing anyone can say to make this easier. You can stay with me and my girls for the time being, if you'd like. You can stay in your caravan if you'd prefer, but we'd really like to have you. Um, I think I'd just like to be alone for, for now, but um, thank you. All right, I'll be back to check on you. We won't be far. Okay. And I think I will come back in like 25 minutes with some water for her. I have no food, so I don't know what to do about that. Right. But I'm assuming you're not. Do you like chicken fingers? Does she have food? No. Not, I'm not going to feed her your thingy. I feel like Carla Thin, not to be dark, has a lot of food. The daughter of a butcher, and now there's one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll get to that soon. But Not to take the food, just that I don't think you have to provide you know, I, it. Oh, but well, just so like, sorry there. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, like, okay, so do you want to, to, to get rid of the, if she has, we assume she has food, I think, I like, just to, like, care for this person, like, not in, like. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Carlton goes over to her wagon. As you're making your way back, Zeke, you pass by Nikolai and Cheyenne's wagon, and Nikolai calls out to you. How, how is she? She's, she's not doing well. Yeah. She may not look it, but Roddy's beside herself as well. Was she close with Ben? I'm not sure, but I believe around the same time for Roddy, she lost her father as well, so I think it's a sour point. Went off to find adventure during a coastal eclipse, never came back. I mean, that's why uh, her and Dor. <laughs> Oh, that feud goes way back. You know? You know that? I know the feud goes way back. Did <laughs> Dor push her father onto the ship? What are you... Dor, Dor's our old man. He was, on that, uh, he was on that same expedition. He came back and... Well, Roddy's old man didn't. And as much as she pressed him, he just never said anything about what happened that day on that, on that trip. And, well, Roddy, you know, she can be a little bit thorny, so she's held a grudge to that whole family ever since. Well, it's uh, worse for all of us that they're holding an ancient grudge this long. Ain't that the truth. How are you holding up, you two? Oh, us? <laughs> well, that was quite a bit of adventure. <sighs> you know... I'm starting to have a bit of faith in this. <laughs> Jesse is mouthing, I lost my fucking finger. <laughs> I think things are going to be all right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, it's good you do. I pat him on the shoulder and go back to check on my also probably traumatized children. Uh... They're having a great old time. Great. Okay. They're uh, fine. You go to go check on your children. However, Sylvie, finger wrapped in whatever Troy has given you, the de-fingering bomb. <laughs> what happens now? It gets infected? Yeah, it's spread up your arm. You know, they get rid of the arm. Uh, <laughs> what you see is up near the forest edge is Keel, and he 
is holding a bunch of flowers in his hands and he sets them on the ground. He's a good boy. And he stands before uh, just a few twigs in kind of an odd X shape over the ground. And he sits there for a sec and he bows his head and then he walks back and slithers under Jolie's wagon. Uh, day turns tonight on this rather somber turn of events as you all pitch camp for the night at the forest edge. What was once the very daunting forest is now uh, a little less daunting, seeing as how you conquered it and it is a massive slab of stone, so you feel this is as good a place as any, and you are quite tired from that battle, believe it or not. You all sit gather around a fire, and out comes through a door and the three guards of Tulip, wonderfully large plates of meat, berries, veggies. Everyone pick one thing that you'd really want right now. My finger. <laughs> okay, it's on a plate. It's on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? A cheese that is really exotic. Perhaps even purchased from you in the past. Fine, yeah, sure. That feels Wine. <gasps> even wine when was the last time that you tasted wine even in soleil it was a delicacy only imported during the coastal I eclipse i literally am also a winemaker there's casks in the environment. and wow the lovely tulip has made it so that none of you have to use your meats this night he's provided <laughs> he's provided for you you say it and it's nice, but in my mind, all I hear is like, well, if we killed him, we'd still have the feast. I love that that is what you think. Cool. That's fantastic. Um, it's a feast. It's a party, uh, which is somewhat of a both wonderful feeling because of the exorbitance of it, but also rather bleak. You lost two members of the party. One of Tulip's own men was lost in the forest but here you are you sit gathered around the fire and tulip just watches from a distance he does not join you that's no so creepy hold on detect poison he sits there like the drink deeply dear friends like the like the chef of like a restaurant just to be safe i'm gonna detect it goes off. It doesn't really measure right because Keel's around. So. Oh, it's not a... Uh, no, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the food that you can detect with. I want to eat this three hours after everyone, but okay. Okay, you eat your cold meal later. Um, however, everyone's still around the fire and whatnot. Uh, Keel, adorably underneath a wagon, is like laying on his back eating, yeah, like a piece of like mutton or something. The stage is set. You guys wanted the floor. Julie hasn't told anyone about Operation uh, Weeding Out the Tulips. True, that's true. So we don't know about that. I think Zeke might be too good a guy to immediately go for murder. So I think I might go to Sylvie first and then come to Zeke with numbers and be like, it's happening, you're joining us. Two out of 12 Karen members agree. Uh, so you go to Roddy's wagon? Yeah. You go to Roddy's wagon. She's posted inside with Marlon. Oh, yeah. He can also help kill Tulip. <laughs> I know, I know, There's I know. So many There's so many of us. <laughs> Keep adding more characters who are going to hate Tulip with us. You guys climb in the back, and Roddy offers you more wine. Because what murders are better laid than over a nice, tall glass of wine? 
Sylvie's looking to drink. I'll have a nice short glass of wine that will not impair my abilities. Got it. You're poisoned. Roddy's poisoned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you sit in silence for a second, and then Marlin is actually the first one to speak up. Rough day. Sylvie starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> there, there. Well, uh... And then Roddy just interrupts him. Okay, listen. I know that emotions are high. <laughs> uh, All-time high. And I can sense very easily the growing discomfort here in the caravan. But as you all know, and I hope, trust me, that it is my job to see us to our destination. Yes? Yes. Yes? Yes. Now, you know I'm not above enforcing that rule. You recall what happened the day that we set out, yes? Yes. Yes. And I'm telling you, that day will come. But that day is not today. Why not? I know that it's much to your chagrin, but we need the numbers. I know it's been tough up till now, but I we're going into uncharted territory. I don't know what's up ahead. So I don't know how to prepare. I was surprised there in the swamp, and to tell you the truth... I think we narrowly escaped. And to tell you the truth, I think we're lucky. We need the numbers of the men he's hiring. And whether or not Tulip is alive, the money is here. We succeeded in the swamp despite Tulip, not because of him. Roddy, I've known you for a while. I think we have a little bit of mutual trust here that we have the best interest of the most people we can at heart. And the last thing I want is to jeopardize the caravan. I think there are five men that are making this difficult. But only four of them are necessary. Ooh, that was hard. Uh, roll me joint persuasion. So both you roll. But we add ooh. No. <laughs> Plus two for ooh. No. Ten. Fourteen. As you finish that, she's kind of like just staring into the middle space. And when you finish your sentence, she again finds your eyes and is like, then what's your plan? You saw my plan. Right. Well... We have a lot of unique skills in this party, and the one that I'm most interested in is Chorley's. I imagine she has something that could at least put all of Tulip's guards to a heavy sleep. Hell, we could put everyone to a heavy sleep and just keep it clean. I think two of us just sneaking in there while everyone else is knocked out. But then what? Am I to lead them? Dora wouldn't allow that. Are you going to? They're an unsavory lot. And I think that left to their own devices, they're going to be more of a hindrance than anything. I think if we do one of them, we do them all. I have little pity for them, nor do I have a strong desire to see them suffer. You think they're all useless, Roddy? Irredeemable? Layabouts? Degenerates? If we're going to make it to Astro, that road has to be paved on trust. And I know that he's forsaken that. Which is why I'm saying that he shouldn't come with us the whole way. It's just a matter of when he departs. It was the case with Brent. It's the reason why he didn't make it with us. Why do you think I did that? Why do you think that was? Why do you think that was a necessity? Roddy, I know. I, tr I trust your judgment. If you're telling me you will fight me over this, if you're telling me you're taking a stand, I'll listen to you. But I don't think that's what you're telling me. Trust among us is important too, Roddy. It's an urgent question and one you've evaded for some time now. What do you mean by that? This is not the first time we tried to speak with you to warn you about the consequences of Tulip's actions, and now it has cost us dearly. 
Why he thinks that the greed will corrupt them? It's like, well, they're all, are, are they going to be better? Are they going to be worse? Most of us have been here our whole lives. Like, we don't know anything about what they're like. Probably, as long as you can remember, they've just been, like, the, the iron muscle. I mean, like, these are kind of just, like, big, bulky dopes. <laughs> you don't trust Dor to lead them? I know you have your reasons for disliking him, but his mind wanders a fair bit closer to sanity than Tulip's does on a given day. She kind of, like, furls at it. Or we seize all of the gold in Tulip's wagon and only distribute it to them upon arrival in Astra. Hell, I'll lead them, if it answers your question, Roddy. We could take the gold and pay them by the day. I'm sure Tulip's doing that. To kill Tulip, we must become Tulip. (laughs) (laughs) She ponders the thought for a bit and then simply says, I feel I'm too close to the problem. Whatever you do, just tell me what you need for my part. Now leave me to my meal. I think you've done a lot, Roddy. I think you've done enough, so we'll try to let you rest. The time will need you the most is afterwards. You are a capable leader, and the caravan looks to you. And they will be looking keenly when this is done. Right, well, great talk. Um... Why don't we, why don't we just give oh, oh, Roddy, Roddy Bear here just a, a little moment to herself, huh, guys? Huh? <laughs> Come on. Time. He like has a bottle of wine and he like wags it <laughs> two fingers. Come on. Yeah, she's given a blank check to murder him, so I'm fine with that. Cool. Or sorry, as soon as we get out of the wagon, I look to Sylvie and I say, we'll need at least one or two lookouts. Zeke is the most trustworthy person here. I don't know who else you want. Maybe we should keep it small. What do you think? He's trustworthy, but he does have a strong conscience. Will he be able to handle this? He has a strong conscience, but he's, above all, a loving father. And I don't think he wants to jeopardize his daughters again. That's true. Keel has no need for money and has no reason to side with Tulip. You seem to be taking well care of him. And he's powerful. So what it sounds like, they're both keeping watch? What's the... Having two is good. Um, Well, what's the method here? We need to get Tulip alone, unprotected, and vulnerable to death attacks. Um, Do you want to do the lead pipe in the study? It's a clue bit. I have two thoughts. Do we... We could both try to go in and kind of guarantee it, but that's only if we can get in quietly. Or drug his men. What about setting the wagon on fire? You're doing a little bit of like carp for the horse here. You're kind of like, all right, so we're going to walk and we're going to kill him. But they're like, what if there's nowhere to walk? What if his wagon's in the sky? Like, you don't even know without looking. So, yeah, we should scout out what the situation looks like at Tulip's wagon. You will find that he does have at least one of his men at all times. They're on night shifts now, as you said. Yeah, let's bring in Zeke. So Zeke is with his children. You come in saying, we've got to murder this guy. I mean... Um, well, first we say, like, hey, girls, could you go play outside? <laughs> hey, girls, drink this suspiciously thick tea. <laughs> uh, Jolie will come into the caravan and be like, girls, could I ask you to check on Carla then for us, please? The, I think that they just kind of look to their father for a yes or a no. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. 
They scurry out the back and over to Carlison's wagon. Once the girls leave, Sylvie will look up at Zeke with haunted, vacant eyes and say, We want to do it tonight. Emotions are are, are high right now. Do we want to not sleep on it? Consider our options? The longer we wait, the worse this will get. Are you with us or against us? I'm, I'm not with them, but you don't think that he's going to be ready for you tonight? The good of the caravan is this guy dies before he has a chance to hurt someone else. So when is the most optimal time to do that? The most optimal time is when uh, his guys are pissed at him. No, maybe um, you're right. I mean, maybe tonight is the night to get Dora on our side. Have him keep watch the night that we, you know, I mean, I'm sure Dora's not going to complain if he has all of Tulip's money and power. You think he can be convinced? I saw a flicker of doubt in the eyes. I mean, if I the know. promise for Dora is Tulip's money and power, I think he can be convinced. But I don't know if he's that's trading in one asshole for another. If he was on our side, it would be the perfect opportunity. Tulip would never expect an attack from Dor. You're right. I think he, if he's going to stay up and keep watch himself, it's going to be tonight. So I guess I'll propose let's talk to Dor tonight as subtly as we can and see if we can convince him to take a blind eye and take watch the next night. <clears throat> what do you think? I think we can make him feel like he's just as smart and charismatic as Tulip. And why can't he be the one in charge? I think it's fair to say that Jolie would know who's like a very persuasive speaker. Sylvia, I know a lot has happened to you today, but do you think if we put you and Dora up for watch tonight, or just you and you went and talked to him, that you could convince him to uh, come to an agreement? I can try. I can certainly try. I'll uh, I'll stay up tonight and keep watch from our caravan, too. I think you should talk to Keel as well. Yeah. Have you had a moment this evening? Have you talked to, spent time with Fabio? I've been a little preoccupied. I also think before we do anything or talk to anything, you need some water, some sleep, a moment. I don't think she likes this. It's patronizing. Well, okay, Jolie doesn't want you to have <laughs> I just, like, it's... No, I, I totally know where you're coming from, <laughs> but I think Sylvia's like, I know how I feel. Believe me. All right, I'm sorry. I overstepped. I just worry about taking such extreme action so soon after such a horrible event for all of us, but especially for you. I don't want this cancer to fester among us any longer that grief will make you tough you guys step out what what is he committed to nothing uh, um i'm i'll help you out i guess i didn't commit to anything but you know i i just was like i'd rather scheme before i murder if we must i also don't like to scheme i like to um make, i told make you he has a conscience <laughs> that's okay <laughs> All we're going to ask is that if something goes amiss, you back us up. I am happy to back you up however this goes. Thank you, Zeke. Even if it's risking your life, Tulip will threaten you. He'll threaten your daughters. 
Are you trying to convince me to not help you right now? I want you to understand the situation we're about to enter. No, I will not risk the lives of my daughters. Their lives are in danger either way with Tulip around. We might send them away. Nikolai and Cheyenne take the young ones. They hide out. Not them. Someone we can trust. Chorley, perhaps. What if we leave the girls in Roddy's cabin for that night? Fine. As you step out of the wagon... Uh, the winds of fate? Yes. <laughs> Who wants to give me a number? 17. Four. Four. I got the good. It was 19. <laughs> the winds of fate come and go. Jolie, Zeke, do you guys like join by like the little communal fire, sing some sing some campfire songs, C-A-M-P-F-I-R-E-S-O-N-G songs, don't, and if it helps you, can just drink some water. Yeah. You know what? You're at the fire. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm at the fire. You're at the fucking fire because I want you at the fire. You're at the fire. Sylvie, you walk over the door? I suppose I do. Okay, as you're walking, everyone roll me a perception check. I feel like every time we get close to, like, killing Jordan's favorite NPC tulip, a vine comes in <laughs> or a Literally. monster attacks. We, oh. see, we see you. Also, yeah, you guys also do roll of trash all the time, so that's on you. 17. I stabbed him. 21. For all of you, the earth shakes. It trembles beneath your feet. And it's not something that you're unfamiliar with, though. Though it is exponentially higher than what you're used to. This is akin to one of the tremors that would come when you were in Soleil. And as you are recalling the memory of perhaps the last time that this did happen in Soleil, a brilliant white light, temporary flashes like lightning, except it's so bright and blinding that night temporarily turns to day for a brief fleeting moment. And what were our roles again? 15. 17. 21. You see two figures eclipsing a hill. And they're there for a brief fleeting moment. And they're gone as the tremors continue and then decushion away. From what direction? To the south. So not in your path. Just something you see. Is it? They look carmongy. Yeah, carmongy. No. They got the mong on them. No, they look delightful. How far away? In hours on foot? Like one. Um, like Charlie's seen it. I would imagine um, uh, Keel's fairly just attentive uh, and would notice that as well. Two more people to help kill Tulip. <laughs> or like, I don't know. Um, how do we feel about like just general people? Because previously we've been sort of on a road. It's exactly that, right? Like, Jolie's not like, oh, no, it's scary. Jolie's like, other people might be fleeing. They could be going also towards Nan or coming from Nan. Yeah. Yep. I'm not worried yet. You approach the door. Uh, man, I don't fucking know, you guys. <laughs> be cool. <laughs> Will I kill your boss? That's yeah, quite the sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it'd be a lot cooler if you let me kill your boss. What? I wanted you to pass my thanks along to Tulip for tonight's meal. Okay. Are you well, Dor? Well enough. These travels have not been easy for any of us. 
That includes you as well. Uh, it's not so bad. You've seen worse? I didn't say that. I said it's not so bad. What would be bad? This conversation continuing. <laughs> um, I stab him. <laughs> Sylvie's methods are about like persuasion and manipulation and charm. Yeah. If the person's like not receptive to that, she's reading people. She's reading him. Mm-hmm. Can I get like an insight check? For sure. Absolutely. Okay. What what are you trying to gleam here? From what I know, having this conversation with Dor and what I've experienced on the trail, what is like an in for him? Roll the two. Bye. Thanks for playing, everybody. Uh, as far as you can tell, Dor is a wall of a man. That's why they call him Dor. Yeah. No, because oh, he isn't. Yeah, because it's ironic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, door he is. Key to that door you do not have. Yeah. Um, I think Sylvie would know not to bark up the wrong tree. Yeah. You came here trying to, if not outright convince him, gleam more insight. And unfortunately, perhaps because of your own emotional state, maybe you bit off more than you could chew considering that you did just lose a dear friend and maybe that's like your typical insight is not as, let's say, sharp as it would have been otherwise. That's totally fair. We're at camp here now. You guys have basically finished the first leg of your journey. That's why I said the last episode because this was the first landmark that is known to you guys. Um, As you've cited several times, the road ahead leads to Nen, which is... It's a city of like nerds and scholars. And it's the halfway point. Nenstown stands for nerd. Erudites. And nimble pants. <laughs> Love that. Nen stands for, you know, city, you know, Paris stands for like people <laughs> and rats in scarves. <laughs> yes. That's why they named it that. I bet Nen probably has like maybe the only like university in Maloon mm-hmm. or on the continent or whatever. That's kind of interesting. So we don't care about that. She really is like a city girl. She wants there to be hot running water. She wants there to be like people who will give her hot food and and cold drinks in exchange for money. She wants to be like waited on. She wants to drink in a bar. She wants to sleep on like a nice bed. She she is like desperately craving, probably now more than ever, the um, creature comforts of being in an urban environment. It's also the environment in which she's most powerful. There are people to entertain, get money from, steal from, sleep with, buy and sell. Uh, So she wants to be around people. She wants to feel like a little bit of how she felt in a life that she was satisfied with in Soleil. Zeke, from his like pragmatic point of view, is hoping for customers and then somebody who might buy something so he can get food and acquire the things he needs for the next leg of the journey because he is at the end of his stash. Mm. Um, he doesn't have much money either, so he needs work. Jolie is kind of the same, wanting customers. I think an added layer of it, though, is like food is incredibly valuable, both to make money for us to buy other things, as well as to buy access to more knowledge that would help us survive. I also think there might be something like like wanting to collect more animal products like the primary thing that she has is like cultures right like that's the value that she has is like rennet and bacteria because obviously anyone can collect milk like any said you'll be supported by farmland surrounding 
I think your daughter should go to the university. The witchy one. Oh, yeah, that's cute. The witchy one. Check out the article that will be out by the time this episode airs on Patreon, 20 Things in Zeke's Wagon, which yeah. expounds more on Zeke's cool daughters. First and foremost, when you set out on this journey, even though a lot of things have happened and this initial profession has become perhaps a bit foggier, you are first and foremost the merchants of Maloon. So Nen does present the perhaps first and as far as you know, only opportunity to actually make use of that skill. Sylvie, lots, uh, lots going on with Sylvie this episode, but you did lose a finger and a friend, so I feel like it merits it. In the night, uh, you see a stray torchlight that is up on the hill where you had seen Keel earlier. Um, the curl of the hair is something that you're familiar with even from a distance, as you can pick out Fabio up at the top of the hill. As much as she bristled at Zeke's words earlier, he was right that she needs to rest and she also needs to check in with him. I guess they're both just like sleeping on the floor of Chorley's wagon at this point. She'll um, put on a shawl against the night air and she'll trudge up to find him. Sylvie walks up the hill and as you crest, you see Fabio sitting there by this torchlight that he's planted into the ground in front of this very crude makeshift uh, little little memoriam. Uh, at its base, uh, you see the only flowers which were put there by Kiel earlier in the day. It's not very uh, elegant, but I think the first thing that Sylvie says is, um, are you mad at me? You have every right to be. I've made things worse for us, markedly so. I'm, I am sorry, even if you're not mad. Uh, I'm sorry too, but we can be as sorry as we want, huh? She kneels next to him in the grass. She says, do you remember what it was like before we found him? Maybe you can remind me. The fighting, the, the drinking, too much drinking. I don't want us to go back to that. Even if he's gone, can we can we not go back to that? I don't think we're gonna have the time anymore. I I want us I want us still to stick together. You know that, and I want you to want to stick together too. Yeah. Of course. Uh, I think in that moment we have a little kiki. Who's going to look after this bag full of shit now? I mean, us, but... You mean you. <laughs> I was going to say maybe the girl, too. She likes Kiki, I saw, yeah. Yeah. She could use a friend, I'm sure. God. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing here complaining, huh? This whole thing, Fabio... I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Should we have just stayed in Soleil? Could whatever is happening there be worse than this? I feel like these have been the worst three days of my entire life.
out when all is said and done, but I don't think you'd want us worrying about that right now. I know I wouldn't if it was me. No time, no money, no paths, no food. What is left? Well, there's us. He gestures to the caravan. And there's them. I guess that'll have to be enough. I guess it will. I'm gonna stay here a sec. Why don't you, uh... When I catch up with you by the fire. She nods, she stands, she says, He loved you so much. And she chuckles to herself, and she heads back to the camp. You head back, um, where everyone is gathered by the fire. Not Tulip. Not Roddy either, not Nikolai, not Cheyenne. Around the fire is Kiel, Chorley, and you guys. And then a sad... Carlathan also comes and quietly saddles up on the edge of a stump. I pretty much launch Kiki at her. <laughs> Before you do, uh, a loud individual comes storming onto the scene. Ah, I knew it! <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, I knew it. I had to go look at it. I didn't want to say anything until I knew for certain. And out comes Marlin, who drops on like a little wood stump a massive tome. Huh? Marlon, we're done. What is it? Is it the animal book? No, no, no. It's better. It's much better. He flips through some of the pages. Ah, I had it. I had it. I I, I had the my bookmark. I must have misplaced it. I just bend the corner down so I know which page I was on. No, no, no. This is a... Uh, this, you can't... I, this is a work of art. I can't treat it like, ah, oh, here it is. Yes, you see, uh, this, this passage, uh, yada, 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 uh, he says, sorry, you don't know. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, I, I just thought I recalled, um, there, 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 it's, um, I think I can, I can help. In and what way? Just like gestures to, to the, the, the world around him. It, I'm so sorry. Um, the two chaps? Paz and Ben? Yes, yes, yes. Now, listen, I... This text isn't complete. Uh, it's a later print. Uh, only the earlier editions really had everything. Now, listen. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think, um, if I had a first edition, maybe... No. I could... I think I could... I think I could undo this stonification. Um, petrification is the, the term. That was, that was Charlie. Maybe... Um, he sits down. I think that I've heard of a first edition and then the only problem is I'm not well I'm scared of uh, the the tempest and and I feel like uh, I'm not sure if I'd make it back here in time I don't understand what? what's the tempest turn them the what 
he holds your hands in a moment of um, yeah, of connection that is a little foreign for Marlon. And he's like, I am saying, I think I can help your friend. We, we saw them. They're dead. I know, and I didn't, I didn't, I, I wanted to be certain before I said anything, and now I'm pretty certain. I just don't know if, <laughs> I, uh, we, we just would have to be, um, we, just, we could have to be fast. And Charlie chimes in, he's like, um, actually, uh, he, he's, he's right. I, I, I was thinking as well, and, and though I, this is news to me, I mean, it's, it's evident from some of the, some of the bodies that we saw earlier that, that you could at least stave off petrification if you could stave it off. I mean, it stands to reason that you'd be able to outright cure it. And undoing it sounds, I will admit, a little bit, a little bit um, uh, uh, magical. And that's not really my domain, but it sounds plausible. Sylvie is just dumbfounded, standing here in the firelight. She has no idea what to think or what to say. She looks around at you, too. This is above Zeke's pay grade. Um, he doesn't like magic. He's he's a little standoffish to this, this news. She really is magic. And more specifically, <laughs> like a life-preserving kind of magic very closely related to nature, which is what this is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty in support. How far are they from the edge line of the tree? And how far are we? Uh, I mean, like you're like set up camp, like right nearby the actual trees. What do you want to do? How sure are you, Marlon? You're pretty confident? As confident as I ever am. I don't know you that well. How often <laughs> are you confident? What does this mean? Give me I a little. Say- some of the time. We'll take it. Marlon is basically telling you that he's like, I think I'd be able to, but his concern is that he doesn't, she's not sure if he can go to Nen. And then first of all, you gotta go back. He's he's offering or is saying that he believes that he has a way to bring these people back. He's also said this in earshot of Carlos and kind of a little bit fool. I don't, yeah. A little foolheartedly. And has given this uh, hope, potentially false hope. He's fairly confident, but he basically has his like, a portion of the text, but he doesn't have enough to like complete the spell and know what it is. Not to mention if there's material components and he's like, Nen, the scholarly place, will presumably, what he believes, will have at this same library, a big, a first edition of this text that will have inside of it what he needs to be able to do this. I could definitely see a world where the Sylvie, who is grieving the death of her friend, uh, is so into this bargain to cheat death um, that she like can completely set aside the tulip stuff and, t- and like lose herself in this like fully like she could become very consumed by this mm, do you know the general components of what you need to make this potentially happen Marlin do you need materials do you need what prayer well no you see um, it mostly just describes the ingredients which is a bit odd, but, but, and he turns to Charlie, he thought, and he says, maybe I thought 
with your help, if you would, and she's like, oh, <laughs> me? Um, uh, <laughs> of course, of course, I'd love to. Uh, they, they, they team up. Yeah, Sylvie's Sylvie's a little lightheaded. I mean, if if you if you think it's uh, possible, if they know how to do it in Nen, then uh, we should try. We should try. If not, if not just for Paz, then for for Ben as well. I'll help. I'll do whatever you need, Marlin. What exactly are we? Is he asking to rush to Nen and come back quickly? Is that is that is there more to it than that? Marlon is is just yeah presenting that as like an op, as an option. He basically is like, if we go to Nen, I can get this thing and I'll be able to come back and hopefully undo this petrification. It's just that with you know, you guys just had like the calamity turn night to like, you know, it was one of the first instances of you like really being like, Oh, okay. Like maybe this is getting a bit spicier. So it's this sense of like, will we have the time? And that's his primary concern as well. Honestly with Marlon, things get away from him. He's like, Oh, I can help with this. And he finds it and he finds enough that he feels confident to tell you guys, but he doesn't really think of all the implications, including again, telling Ben's daughter, Carlathan, who is literally right there that he can basically restore her father, who she's very much still mourning and will continue to be mourning. We can't put that genie back in that lamp. That's just going to be what it is. I think uh, then at this point, with the Carlithid in mind, uh, Zeke would say, if it's a matter of time, we don't have time to think about this for too long, right? We have to make this decision and go with it. Julie has some thoughts. Okay. Not not contrarian thoughts, but um, devil's advocate. <laughs> she says, "I really want to be able to bring them back. I think you can trust me when I say that. But I don't want to jeopardize the lives of the people who are here still. And I think that's fair to say, even if it's upsetting to hear. I really want to help you, but can you promise me that if it just seems like we're..." jeopardizing the lives of our friends, your daughters, that we're going to turn around. I want to help you, Sylvie, but I'm not letting my wife die for it. We don't need everybody to come back, do we? Nen is hopefully safe for people to stay a couple days while we fetch. All I'm saying is I'm, I'm on board to do it. If we get to Nen and... The Calamity's right behind us. I'm not running into it. I have no inclination nor power to force anyone to do anything, Jolie. I know you don't. I just... I want some reassurance as a friend that you're not endangering Fabio, Nomi and Hilda. I mean, I know it's hard to hear and I'm going to do everything I can but I also have to consider the other people who are here. All we've discussed so far is going to Nen and learning more about what's possible. We're not committing ourselves to certain doom just yet. Okay, that's all I wanted to hear. Zeke, do you have a pickaxe? <laughs> <laughs> I can make a pickaxe. How fast? A Doesn't day, have to be do good. we have time? For, what, do, I, do we, we need a pickaxe? 
Not if it's going to take you a whole day. We should go to Nen with something from the forest, even something small like a branch. Test it on that if it's going to be fast. And if it works, then we can run there with more certainty and we know how to do it. I have a hammer. I have a knife. I can chip off something. Hammer it is. Hammer it is. Hope it's not like an ice nine thing. You just want to go take off any old, because again, it's like a one big box. You just want to just a piece. I have a sample. In case they need it. For science? That's science? At the at the Nen Forensic uh, Institute? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make you roll for that because I mean. Getting a rock. Just, yeah. You miss. A frog-shaped <laughs> rock. It'll take some time, but you'll choose a, a, a sizable enough piece that you can you can carry it. Sweet. I added rock to my inventory. Nice. Love that. Nice. Wonderful. Marlin sits down at the fire as well. And after this bit of news, as well as like, this is just off the heel of all this happening. Marlon was kind of like working through the night to try and find this because he thought that he might know something about it. Probably was thinking about it when you guys first saw some of the petrification. And now everyone, because of the heaviness of the day, is quite, uh, quite, quite quiet around this fire. But the company of each other is certainly better than the alternative of lying awake alone at night. The first to break the silence is our new friend, Kiel. He says, I'm glad I met you all. And anything I can do, I will do. I am so terribly sorry. But you know what? I love you all. (laughs) What? <clears throat> I, my I love you. I love you all. No. I love you with all my hearts. Jolie says, we love you too, Keel. I don't know if everyone does, but I'm going to say it, and I do. You fought very well today. I'm glad we had you on our side. Thank you. I sense a heaviness. For me, when times were dark, it always helped to hear more from those I was traveling with. I miss those times, and perhaps I could come to know you all better. And I sense that maybe you could all know each other better. As well. I think it's not quiet for very long before, honestly, Diane more than Jolie. I think she, what's it called? Like she flexes her knuckles backwards, like instead of cracking them. Okay. Cracks knuckles without cracking. Like, like intertwining your fingers and then pushing your palms away from you sort of thing. Mm -hmm. She's stretching. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, if you want a bit of a reprieve, it's been a while since I've had a chance to tell a story about how I met this beautiful lady. And Jolie, I think, just rolls her eyes. Um, And I think Diane starts with, you know, like in a relationship, you both kind of fall into this rhythm of telling a story like you're both telling Mm-hmm. The story in tandem together, so I think I think they launch it. Oh, that's super cute. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Many Realms. This has been our 10th installment of the Many Merchants of Maloon. If you want to join us for the whole ride across Maloon, you can subscribe to our podcast. You can learn more about us by following us on Twitter or Instagram at The Realmscast. Or if you want to support us financially, you can follow us on patreon.com slash many realms. That's patreon.com slash many realms. Thank you.